Welcome you all to the next episode of Entrebind and I'm your host PJ. So the previous episode has been so much interactive and amazing. I've got a lot of good comments from people listening to the episode. The feedbacks are great. Thank you so much for all the wonderful feedback. Our episodes get more and more special as we move through one upon the other CEOs and all their information are so amazing. We have been learning and seeing things about NFTs and web3 space so far there's a lot on instagram linkedin google we typically learn a lot in today's episode and our guest is someone who's a very very unique in the web3 space and the nft our guest today is pujay pravin maharajan the ceo of bitcrunch which is a blockchain analytic company for nft It's so confusing, right? But we learn a lot in this podcast today. More about Bitcoins and Vijay over here. He completed his master's in a technical university of Munich. He's a three-time TEDx speaker and a first Indian to be invited on a TEDx talk in German below 30. He's nominated as the top men leaders to look up in 2021 by The Passion Vista magazine. He's awarded a top 40 data scientist under 40 in India. With the quote, you are your own brand, let's get more insights from Vijay Pravin Maharajan. Hi Vijay, first off, thanks for accepting my request to be on the show and welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Mavadarani. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Uh, so right, right from getting in touch with me on, on LinkedIn and the whole process of sending out the link and the invitation. So everything sounded perfect. I'm really looking forward to what's in store for the next 30 or 45 minutes. Great. Thanks. So looking at your profile in LinkedIn, it was a never-ending tale. For me, it's it's a lot of context in terms of experience, but the standout was, was Bitcrunch, right? AI and NFT is like a buzzword today, but a blockchain analytics firm that makes an AI product in an NFT space, that leaves me stranded with the question, what exactly does bitscrunch does so like you said nfts uh, are are still a buzzword uh, for most of the people i mean there is a survey that says only 1% of the world's population knows nfts yep. so I, i say it the other way where we still have 99% of the people to cover <laughs> and what we do is we call uh, it more like nft um, guardians where we protect uh, nft scams and we prevent people from getting scammed on on a high level i mean of course there are nft rug pulls where people try to make quick bucks and then move away but then we look into problems like wash trading in nfts where people flip nfts yeah. and uh, we also bring fair price in fair price uh, of of nfts into picture So in in short, uh, we are like uh, the tick mark of NFTs in the near future, okay. uh, more like Twitter's uh, verified tick mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that give? It it gives yeah. you an idea that uh, that person is a celebrity or that organization is a brand, right? So 
So similarly, we authenticate, we provide authenticity to NFTs because there are a whole bunch of NFTs out there. And as an end user, uh, either you or me or, or anybody looking at NFTs, we are not really sure which NFTs to buy, which NFT is good, which is which is bad. So we, we are more like the, the guardians of the NFT space. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm happy that the team is doing really well. So I'm, I'm just the face of the organization, but the, the team has to bag all the credits. Great. So as you said, 99% of people doesn't know what NFT exactly is. And it's same as me. I couldn't agree more because I... I, I'm a digital artist and I love posting things and I try to collect NFT. But there is this blank space where it gives me a fear. What if NFTs are like stocks, you know, as we have inflation and there is a recession following on. If I buy an NFT, the value could go down or there is there's no clear definition for a blockchain or NFT. How, what do you define NFT as? So, I mean, just an abbreviation, non-fungible token, this is what they call it. But uh, in, in my opinion, it's a new age digital asset. We are living in a digital world. Uh, we are we are recording this podcast on, on a digital platform. Uh, we use uh, digital ID cards for our offices or for our colleges. And we use uh, Zomato and then Swiggy to order food, Ola and Uber to travel. So, uh, Literally everything, almost everything has, has become digital around us. I mean, this NFT community considers NFTs as a digital asset class where it empowers users uh, an ownership, an authenticity, uh, an ownership that, that is on blockchain, right? And um, it's it's more like uh, digital stocks. Okay. Look, look at the evolution of investments, yeah. stocks. Uh, have anybody touched or or sensed how Tesla shares uh, feel like? No, right? No. We just invest on Tesla on what grounds? We see the performance of Tesla. Tesla. We see the financial numbers of, of the last quarter and the next quarter and the projections of the next quarter, next quarter from the Tesla team. And then obviously uh, the, the whole team and, and Elon Musk, obviously. So there is a whole bunch of parameters uh, or, or factors that we look into before invest uh, we invest on tesla's shares or stocks and we already started investing on digital gold yeah because i see a lot of people invest on digital gold where they just top up every month and they accumulate digital gold in their wallet just few few years ago if you tell people that you are going to collect digital gold people would have thought you you yeah. are gone mad you have gone crazy so look, look, the world is changing and that's where NFT is coming into picture where I believe it's it's more like a fan base or, or a community driven collection or, or, a, or, or an asset that can have several utilities. Yeah. So let's say uh, a football ticket right now is either given as a printed out paper or a QR code. Yeah. But what happens to that? You just go watch the match and then you come back, it's gone, back to zero. But here in this case, if you are a Barcelona fan, if you are a Real Madrid fan, you have that as an NFT. You can still trade it to another Real Madrid fan who missed out on that match, okay. who missed out on getting a ticket. And let's take uh, another example where uh, I can take you to a game called PUBG. Uh, I hope you might have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, look at the gaming scenario right now. Everybody plays it. 
place hard right from day till night and then after some point let's call it days weeks months or even years after some point everybody takes a break because of their commitments in life either you get a education new life marriage child or whatever it is you take a break from the game or you just simply uninstall because of uh, distraction what happens you lose everything you lose the progress you lose uh, all the in game assets back to zero and with nfts you can still trade those in game assets to others okay that's what nfts can provide so i personally know people who buy army vests on a pubg game or a m16z gun on a pubg game okay just they they spend a uh, few hundred rupees for assets on a game because they feel that they they need that to to combat or to cross a certain level mm-hmm. and what what it goes what it does is it just goes to the developer or or the organization that owns that gaming company but with nfts half of the ownership is transferred back to the players mm-hmm. let's say bavadarani plays in pubg if she plays 5 hours she gets rewarded for that 5 hours she she gets that opportunity to trade that particular asset to somebody like shweta or or vijay who is playing on the same platform alongside her right mm-hmm. you always doesn't have to uh, trade it with uh the game store they call it in game store mm-hmm. you can you can also trade it peer to peer so that's that's those are a couple of examples that i want to but do you think that nfts could be as equal into stocks in the upcoming future like bitcoin was like that when it came but right mm-hmm. now you can see there is like a great decrease in the bitcoin price like a great mm-hmm. there is something that's that has that people haven't been seen over the time when bitcoin has surged but mm-hmm. nft now even has the hype as that bitcoin is getting uh do you think that in near future it will be equivalent to stocks uh, it's it's too early to take a call on that but but i strongly believe that these are cycles uh, i mean look uh, britain british is is undergoing a heavy inflation yeah. right now their pounds are, are getting hit uh, it got lowered since they introduced pounds right from the beginning day uh, beginning and look at uh, euros at some point one euro was equivalent to one us dollars and i i live in germany for the last 10 years i have never seen that before so when all these traditional currencies that you and me have in our pockets are getting a massive hit what do you expect out of a bitcoin which is there for like the last 7 years and what do you expect out of nfts which is there for the last one one and a half years so everything needs time to settle down and then that's where you need to look at how things evolved uh, look at the mobile evolution uh, earlier phones were bulky yeah and now if you look at the phones it's it's sleeky you have the touch screen and back back in olden days we have this touch pad which you have to press four times to get a, a number or a digit right so uh, likewise uh, you can also compare it to the technology uh, 1g 2g 3g and now we are into 5g and people are already uh, saying great things about 5g and 6g uh, which is also coming up shortly so everything needs time to settle down and i believe it will be up there and also in us there is a fund 
that would stop cryptocurrencies as a, a mutual fund or sort of a fund so that people can invest on that okay so now we are at that point uh, after 7 years of of bitcoin evolution and we can expect the same from nfts in in some time and that is why a lot of startups are building on bitcoin yep. decentralization web3 and nfts and that's also the reason why we are building bitscrunch as well we are we have raised a little over 6 million dollars so far with and uh, it's, it's also not just about the money but where the money comes from so we have got the money from coinbase mm-hmm. from polygon from crypto.com from chainlink so these are the biggest names in yeah. the crypto world and we are fortunate we are glad and humbled to receive that funding from such a big name but what do you think like after this recession does nft will gain a value or because people are so much worried to even invest in stocks right now because mm-hmm. we never know what company is going to go into a huge loss and debt and what's going to gain its value so what do you think investing in nft at this time will be a right option mm-hmm. or not i mean since since nfts are are a pretty niche area i i get the point where people will be afraid to invest i mean that is one of the reasons why you you see the volume and the trade uh, happening on nft space has dropped close to 90% uh, since the beginning of this year but it is bound to happen and everybody knows that and uh, yes it will emerge it will pick up slowly because you see a lot of brands coming into nfts i can name so many brands that are into nfts lg samsung is about to integrate nfts onto their tvs and then apple has let uh, developers build nfts Yeah. which can open up doors for next billion users who can build on nfts mm-hmm. uh, in in future you can have apps that has nfts on an apple mobile phone look look how big it is they have recently signed that partnership and then pepsi adidas nike reebok and, and tiffany and co one of the famous jewelry uh, so they are coming into nfts one after the other and i i doubt that this will fade away just like uh, uh, anything else but but this has a true potential so it will pick up uh, uh, gradually but but right now everything is down it's not just nft yeah. or crypto even dollars even euros everything is down at the moment and people need to realize that these are cycles so there is bull and and bear markets yeah. that we call in crypto and i i would advise people just to study the market take this time to understand how this works what is the market what is the the, mm-hmm. the things that are going around and take this time to just educate themselves before the next bull run comes great so yeah. you have your majors in electrical and electronic base so when did this craze on ai and data science blockchain started because that's what led you to bitcoins right so could you mm-hmm. just tell me about that yeah uh, i mean all, all my years i have been studying electronics uh, in in bachelor's and masters but then by chance or i i may even call it luck usually i don't believe in luck uh, but uh, that's the only luck that happened to me so i i got a student job offer uh, while i was doing my masters in germany so that's the good thing about doing a masters mm-hmm. in germany you can get a uh, 
a part-time job where you can work as an engineer and then do your masters Great. so i got that opportunity that was again in electronics it was a network uh, i was a network engineer mm-hmm. but then uh, this thing happened i mean one of my colleagues uh, teammate uh, was was going on a maternity break okay. and i got that little uh, breakthrough in there and uh, he was just asking me Vijay, could you please take up this role until we fill this role? Okay. So I was just curious, and at that time it was like twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, and at that time data was was pretty new. Now even in twenty twenty or twenty twenty two, people try to learn data science, try to take mm-hmm. data science courses, and imagine that time it was nice. very niche. It was like how NFTs are now, mm-hmm. and that's when I decided to. take uh, lessons i i visit libraries often uh, sometimes i stay in library overnight i started taking classes youtube lectures you just need to have a sense of your your data science knowledge statistics background and a bit of common sense as well so yeah it, it was fun at, at the beginning but then if i look back now that little opening led me to an internship later and then gave me a thesis and then i landed my first job on the same company as a data junior data scientist and then from there there on there was no looking back i i was promoted to a lead data science at um, siemens mm-hmm. uh, sorry volkswagen i had a little stint there and then i i was a data analytics expert at siemens before i uh, i started bit scrunch as you said you jumped into data science all of a sudden but what inspired you to get into entrepreneurship i mean i always wanted to be an entrepreneur right from the beginning uh, i i come from a typical middle class background uh, something something to the world something like giving back to the society and i i have to start somewhere right so yeah. i figured out multiple ways uh, luckily for me but scram which is my first venture first startup and uh, i'm glad that it worked it, it is working so far so good <laughs> and we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. i mean raising 6 million dollars doesn't mean that we have won the game yeah. uh, we have just started the game and we still have a lot more to play in, in my opinion so yeah uh, i mean having got ex- the experience from working with volkswagen when and siemens some of the two big german entities I I have taken a lot of lessons from there from that and also meeting a lot of good people my co-founders are really great and to have them besides me has has pushed me to do bit scrunch glad it worked it, it right. is <laughs> so your initial days at bit scrunch can you just throw up some mistakes or something you want to share like a tip anything mm-hmm. so can you tell me about something mm-hmm. uh, initially when i was with siemens it was like uh, two jobs in parallel so i uh, i i have to work for siemens only eight eight probably five or six in the evening and then take a little break in between have a coffee or something watch a bit of tv and then sit right back for bit scrunch at that time it was physically demanding mentally uh, i was tired as well but but that's how everybody breaks the shackles mm-hmm. in my opinion right because you uh, you have a routine you 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 are getting paid yes. somewhere and you don't want to risk that routine 
because I have family, I need to take care of, of all their teams, all the bills that I have to pay for apartment, mm-hmm. for electricity, for rent, for uh, groceries and yeah. stuff. So that was the biggest fear when I uh, had, uh, when I started. But then probably I, I overstretched uh, it a bit. Uh, so I, I was here and there for a while. And then at some point I had to take, take that decision. And it was a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> but then luckily for us, I, I was able to move out of Siemens and start full-time at Bitscrunch. And that's when I started the real progress. Because up until then, it was always like, okay, uh, could I share this news? Do I share this to my friends? I was always skeptical. I was always in, in dilemma. I get it. But uh, when I stepped out, uh, it was like, sky is the limit. And that's when I was like full, <laughs> uh, full on. Yeah. So how did you find your co-founder and your team when, when you get started? Uh, it was a crazy story. One of my co-founders, I, I met him over LinkedIn. Okay. Just like how you met me over LinkedIn, uh, I met him over LinkedIn. He was doing his master's in Ireland at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And he was doing his master's in data analytics. So I was working in data analytics, data science domain. And then another co-founder is a CTO here, mm-hmm. who is Ashok, uh, who lives, who did master's alongside me. Uh, he did his master's also in data, but biodata. He's from biology. Okay. Uh, he's a biotech engineer. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I met them. So one from LinkedIn, one is close by, and then there was another co-founder who was introduced by the one in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the guy from Ireland, uh, he, Saravanan, he really pushed uh, us to Bitscrunch. So uh, to me, he... <laughs> He was always pushing us beyond our limits. There is, it's good to have a co-founder who has your same level of passion. Even when you go a bit level down, they are there to push you forward. That's that's a good thing of having a co-founder. And there is this defense mechanism that human has. Like, what if things goes wrong? What if there is a financial mm-hmm. crisis? What if, what if, even like you stated, like I had to pay the bills. What if, like, if I get out of the job, who's going to do it? So how did you get rid of that particular situation? Mm-hmm. It's it's more of um, your yeah, taking appetite, I would say. And for us, luckily, we also got a little initial seed fund so we got close to uh, seven fifty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. That was like a few crores if you convert that yeah. into Indian money. I mean, but but obviously, that that won't help uh, a guy who is living in Germany uh, mm-hmm. because I I take a big chunk uh, because my living expenses are are not that uh, not as same as the one who lives in India. Um, but uh, at that time we just had seven fifty k. We were never sure that we will be funded again, funded by VCs again, because the seed one was tougher, but at the same time, the follow-up round was also tougher, right? Because you have to find the product market, uh, product market fit, and you have to find the initial customers. So we were like all over the place, uh, trying to get connections, trying to get the brand out. And for us, th- those funds probably helped me break the shackles. Come out, come out of that mindset. That's good. So, entrepreneurship is everywhere, and everyone wants to be one. 
there is this booming question. I have thought of an idea. And what's my next step? Let's say like I should go and find a co-founder or I should have a money to start a business. So I should work on my job, just save some and then jump into a startup. Or I have to start a website. There is this lot of questions popping up seconds in your mind. So this pool of confusion starts at a point. What was your thing about it? Like, how do you look at this? What's the next step to do? Can you tell me it from your perspective? How did you start? How was your mentality at that time? I mean, money, uh, if, if, you, if you need money to start something, then that's that's where everybody shuts down most of the things that they do and they just focus on what's on their plate. Right. So in, in my opinion, I mean, we, we never had money uh, when we started with Scrunch. It was the idea, it was the co-founders, it was the synergy that we brought in and, and the passion that led us to uh, this magnitude. Say, start with uh, hackathons, start with accelerator programs. There are plenty out there. Um, so we we came out of hackathons. So for instance, okay. Bitscrunch, we took part in hackathons. It was like a school project or college project where uh, hackathons or accelerator programs or for startup right yeah so it's it's similar to school and college projects but for grown-up adults mm-hmm. so we we t- took part in a couple of them we lost uh, the first few sets very badly uh, but then that's that's what teaches you right because you get to meet a lot of people get to see a lot of other products other guys building products and you know what level they are building and then then you assess yourself uh by taking a step back and realize, okay, what we have built is, is not ideal for this uh, platform. But but nevertheless, we always uh, came back stronger. We participated in a couple of other hackathons. Uh, it was our third or fourth hackathon. We, we got a runner-up award. And that changed the complex of uh, our startup game. So... As you said, the accelerator program or be it the US grades, TechCrunch or anything, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, as you said, but that puts a huge burden on you, like looking at their prototypes, looking at their way of presentation, you learn a lot, but then it puts a question mark in you, like, are we lacking a lot or do we have to improve in some way? If possible, like if we could possibly go there, like, did that raise any question mark in you? Obviously, I mean, there were like so many questions hovering around uh, because they were building at, at a very fast pace. And then some people even had capitals backing them. So they had venture money. So they built a, a nice project, a nice product. Uh, it's, you can't even call that as an MVP or a demo. Uh, it, it's even one step further. So while looking at those, uh, one feels demotivated. Yes, of yeah. course, we, we even felt that. But that's the sort of places that we need to pick ourselves up and and just just keep going. And that's where the founders, co-founders also come into picture because if one goes down in, in, uh, in mindset, the other one kicks the back and says, hey guys, we need to move. We need to look for something else. And also by meeting a lot of people, uh, we also got a lot of, got to learn a lot from them and those sort of little learnings kept us going and it made us improve every day 
what comes next is like when should I hire someone into my company you know I get to see this new grad job posting and they ask for at least two years as a new grad but they ask for at least two years in their experience and the requirement goes for pages as far to data science the requirement never stop it's like a huge thing that's over there mm -hmm. so I think it's not enough for universities to teach it and whatever we study over there is basically not for the job market. So who exactly does a company need for a role? Like, do they do you guys look into the resume and make sure he has all the requirements fulfilled? You know, I just want mm -hmm. to know the interviewers or the CEO's perspective of hiring. Well, to me, it's, it's personally, if you ask me, it's all about the attitude uh, that someone brings into the job. Uh, our, our first... 20, 25 hires, we, we didn't even look at the resumes, to be honest with you. It was all referrals, it was all friends, it was mm -hmm. families, and, and the profiles that were forwarded. Sometimes we, we didn't even have time to look at the CVs, we directly invite them for a call. We just chit-chat and uh, based on the conversation, based on what they have, I mean, you cannot fake after a certain point. Yeah. You know something, you know, you know that, you know the in, ins and outs of it. And if you don't know something, you don't know that. Even if you try hard, you can't yeah. give an answer to that. So we, we kind of got the first 20, uh, I would say 20 hires, like just coincidental, just like uh, friends meeting at a cafe, asking them to join this mission mm -hmm. of, of working on NFTs. And for me, it was even tougher because I was building on NFTs. Yeah. And people were not really sure what NFTs are yes. uh, because blockchain itself is a new word and yeah. NFTs is like a newish, ultra newish term. And for me to go out there, I, I talk really well. That is one, mm -hmm. one gift that, that uh, I've got. <laughs> so I, I have a uh, knack of convincing people. So with that, I convinced the first set of 20 people and, and I've made them happy. You know, they are happy. Their stocks, their shares are now worth 4x or 5x since yeah. they joined and that's the good thing about startup so that the more the risks the more the rewards would be mm -hmm. right and yeah okay so as you said uh at the early stage it was i think around 2018 or 19 over that time uh blockchain even was a new thing so it was so much for me even to understand what a blockchain is and no solidity and start coding on it but the thing yeah. is you have to convince people where you don't, it's it's not possible to pay them at initial state. So you have to convince them whatever it is, like you have to stay with me no matter what. You breaking out of your nutshell because it's your passion, but convincing people to stay over there, it's so hard. Like how did you manage that initial stages when you have to pay them low? Do you guys mm -hmm. had any conflict? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, convincing, convincing point uh, that that phase was really hard because some of our early employees they even started as an intern mm -hmm. uh, they started with us and then the good thing is we always had referrals so right. where we focused is we also looked at uh, women who took a break uh, for maternity mm -hmm. so they, they come in after a kid or, or two kids and they have a career gap and they want to start learning something new because they would have uh, done Java, JavaScript back then and then fast forward four years later, uh, there is new stuff. There is Python, there is uh, yeah. load, there is uh, so much new stuff going on. 
and we got a couple of uh, good really working super moms i would say they are still inspirational for most of the guys at bit strange and uh, we we started from there and now we are almost 40 across the That's globe right. uh, so convincing them was wasn't easy because they were looking for one mm-hmm. and we are also looking for an employee and we were like filling those uh, holes in between with with these resources in between and it worked for us so maybe for a new founder that's a mm-hmm. trick you can always because a mom any any mom in this world that's that's one of the toughest jobs in my yeah. opinion to to manage the home to take care of the child uh, if they have done that they they could do anything in this yeah. world so that's so, where we started we mm-hmm. we got a couple of great super moms and they are still an inspiration at bitstrange that's truly a great thing you know taking a mom and getting them back it's it's actually a good initiative or definitely say but coming back to venture capital investors bank loan whatever it be when do you think is it the right time for any startup to approach them you have to uh, participate in a lot of hackathons or a startup events uh, look look our uh, niche is startup or uh, web3 or nft right so we focus on that particular accelerator programs uh, that takes place across the globe so you have to find your niche if you are into automotive find platforms where you can showcase your talent and uh, just just groom your idea groom your product groom your mvp i would say having an mvp is is better mm-hmm. uh, unless you come from harvards and and stanfords where you just have the titles and you can just go to the vcs because i have seen vcs packing harvards and mit grads uh, with just their ideas and of course they have a great track record yeah. a lot of startups have have come from the ivy leagues uh, so yeah. uh, we, we cannot deny the fact that they, they don't build good products that that's there but in my opinion it's it's um, the mvp slash demo that you should build with a minimalistic data with with minimalistic ui and that could probably convince any anybody any investor in this world but do you really think that a college the university title like an ivy league of harvard or uh, mit or oxford like do they stand out to these investors at any point uh not anymore uh, since the world is changing after the pandemic but but previously yes uh, i mean you you see a lot of vcs if you look at their portfolios it's almost 3/4 of them are are from ivy leagues in the past but with the pandemic with the digital world uh, now you get founders like me i mean i'm not a ivy league i'm i'm i still passed out from one of the good universities here in germany i mean i did my graduation in tu munich technical technical university of munich which is ranked number 1 in germany uh, which is like an ivy league of germany mm-hmm. but then uh, i know founders who who were two tier two tier three universities in, in india in germany in 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 egypt in europe in, in africa so the fancy titles won't last forever and guys like elon musk coming out and voicing out saying they don't need a degree to get into tesla is is changing the whole complex of the game what do you think the investors are looking in for a startup like if they are going to invest what do you think their main thing they look into before starting to invest 
well, like I said, they they see the founders, the moat of the founders, the vision, and the addressable market. So we we call it TAM, total addressable market. Uh, so they see that. I mean, like I said, NFTs one percent of the world's population yeah. knows that. So it's like ninety nine percent is still left for us to cover. Mm-hmm. If if this space becomes a hit, then the investors get hundred x two hundred x returns. That's yeah. the the bet that they take. Yeah. And uh, yeah, same same with the internet technology, right? When when mobile phones came in. people were laughing at the initial mobile phones bulky ones and now look at the innovations that are happening around there were like so many uh, mobile phone manufacturing companies and some have gone bankrupt uh, like nokia is, is struggling mm-hmm. to keep up the pace with the technology whereas apples has have become several yeah. trillion dollars now they they hit that trillion dollar a couple of years ago or or just in the last 24 months yeah. and now they have doubled that into 2 trillion or 3 trillion dollars so yeah so as you pitch to an investor there is this two sided coin thing if your company finds an upward score or it gets the trend you know mm-hmm. the investor is a kind of happy but the other side of the coin the investor mm-hmm. put in more leverage into your business and there is a slippery mm-hmm. side of loss i mm-hmm. haven't thought through it but can you say how could that loss look like handling the investor what would mm-hmm. be the outcome like can you give us the visualization of it yeah when i when i first stepped into entrepreneurship when i was planning to raise funds even my my dad was a bit skeptical he was like uh, you are raising a lot of funds what happens if it fails and yeah. then that's typical indian mindset but in a in a vc uh, network in a vc space you don't have to repay anything that's the beauty that's the beauty of this tech space not a lot of people are aware of this fact and i was surprised uh, so you don't have to return even a single penny to a vc oh. who bet on you so that's something that not many knows at this point in time because they take your shares they take your equity of of your company mm-hmm. what you built and if it goes bankrupt if it fails they get nothing but that's the risk that they are taking they invest let's say they have uh, 10 million dollars mm-hmm. they split it into 10 checks of 1 million dollars each okay so they invest on 10 startups of 1 million each and they just hope and pray that one hits the ceiling and it hits in most cases so one startup makes 10x 20x 30x and then they get all the 30 million back they get 30 back from investing 10 million that's great and even in the, the another nine set of companies that were that were still there pending they will also perform so some will be performing over the ceiling some will be performing a little below the ceiling and then some will be like okay yes. and just a couple of them fail miserably so there is a stat that says hardly 5 to 10% of the companies become very successful out of 100% so that's like 1 120th <laughs> so 10 in 1 is a good thing but what do you think 
is it better if a startup is in a very budding stage consider like it has a very viable like it's a, it, the mvp sorry the mvp is actually at the starting stage and what do you think they need some sort of funding should they go to an investor vc or a bank loan what do you think is a good fit for them loan i won't recommend that because it adds a lot of pressure that they they need to repay that loan probably you can take that when you have a stable business when you have a solid recurring revenue where you don't want to dilute your business and you just have to grab some loan or or cash from the bank okay. uh, because you you hope that your business goes well and then you can repay it as fast as possible without dilution mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand uh, if you uh, look at vc money yes it's it's always get better to go to vcs but if your idea is very primitive very new very niche i would recommend founders to go to their friends and families that's how most people build products so you you build something you go to your friends families your college mates your professors and say that you are building this and you need 50k 100k 150k most of the pre seed they call it pre seed most of the pre seed money uh, comes around 50 to 350 or 450 thousand dollars okay and it's all about 10000 dollar check sizes so 10000 or 5000 you collect those smaller checks from your friends and families if they believe in what you build and that's how you build your first set of products So what's this difference between an individual investor and a VC so what could be a great advantage and disadvantage of both uh in an individual uh, investor uh, you get a very small check size like a 5k 10k check size mm-hmm. and you have greater chances of ruining that relationship if if okay. you don't perform well uh, because you, you might have reached out to your friend your buddy your uh, uncle your aunt and then if you if you doesn't perform well then you have to face them uh, some day or the other yeah but other than like relatives for example when you look into shark tank you have an individual a big big person who's going to invest in you that's kind of mm-hmm. a huge thing they are going to invest the equivalent amount that you're asking from a venture capitalist whatever it be so what do you think the difference between those people VCs have a, have a network and and a brand name they they carry a brand name for themselves if you look at sequoia if you look at axel tiger global these names are big so getting money from VCs is always better than an individual because if you need help mm-hmm. you can reach out to a VC and they can spread spread their network to you they can say that hey babadarni needs help on marketing this stuff and that stuff and you you get a help within let's say few hours or sometimes in few days but on the other hand if an individual invests that's that's always a risk right imagine yeah. he goes on for a trip to uh dubai <laughs> for instance <laughs> and then you you might have to wait for a week or two just to get a response so okay. that's that's the difference uh, between these two the venture capitalist thing like most of the people wouldn't know it and it's it's very important to understand the finance part before getting into a startup so great we're almost at the end now let's i'm going to have like a quick rapid fire segment you already know what it means so i'll be like throwing a rapid questions on you and i want answers that's all 
So I'll yeah. start. So your inspiration in a tech world? Steve Jobs. Great. So your favorite book? No, I mean, I don't read a lot of books, but it, uh, it is MS Tony. I'm a big fan of MSD, so I've written uh, read, read his book. <laughs> so the piece of advice that you have received in terms of business or personal? Uh, being consistent. So that that's what I have got and that's what I preach to others as well. So what's your number one priority for business right now? Uh, to get more customers, uh, to, to expand the business. What do you think is the biggest strength of an entrepreneur? Anyone? Being mentally strong, mentally tough, uh, tough character. Biggest business accomplishment so far? Uh, we have partnered with uh, some of the big uh, crypto companies in the world, like Chainlink and Polygon. So these are uh, among top 10 blockchain names in the world. So to be working closely with them, and I forgot to mention MasterCard. So we are oh, partners great. with MasterCard. Yeah, That's great to hear. Your future vision for Bitcoins? And to to provide a lot of uh, jobs to people across the globe and, and to uh, empower them to start their own businesses. So I would like to have Bitscrunch Mafia tag in the future, uh-huh. like how people call PayPal Mafia or uh, Zoho Mafia. Yeah. So what's one best and the worst part of being a CEO? Time management, good and the bad. So sometimes it it's it's good, sometimes it, it goes horribly wrong. If you want to go back in time and fix a business mistake in your business, what would it be? Uh, some of the marketing uh, sign-ups that we have did uh, didn't go as, as we planned, but that's fine. That's how you learn. So my final question, you can take time to answer for this one. What's your weave on failure and passion? What's your, sorry? What's your weave on failure and passion? You can take your time to answer the question. (laughs) Failure, I mean, failure is a a part and parcel of the life. Uh, I would say you always have to be ready to face the failure. And that's what makes anybody mentally strong. And you need to have that attitude. Uh, if anything fails, it's fine. You still have a chance to live, a chance to do better uh, the next day. And passion, you that that's a powerful word. Uh, everybody needs that. You have to be very passionate when you step into entrepreneurship uh, world. Great. So a piece of advice for companies getting into entrepreneurship or a piece of advice to any entrepreneur you want to give? Um, just just what I said before, just be consistent. Uh, don't expect uh, returns right on day one. It will eventually happen, but you have to be consistent. Day in and day out, you have to be consistent. There is no other way. Got it. So thank you so much. I was so much fascinated by all the answer. It's like we have gained a lot of knowledge in terms of uh, VCs, especially mm-hmm. I want to mention about it. And more on, it's it's all about what you have given outside knowledge on startup that was very, very good. So I... Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that most of the people from this episode will gain a lot of knowledge. And thank you so much yet again for being in this show. Yeah, um, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the output because even I enjoyed the conversation. And 
that and I'm looking forward to the out- outcome of this and yeah great, great stuff keep going thank you thank you everyone I hope you all got a very good information from this episode anything's more on anything whatever your question just pop it up to the email on trubine at gmail.com stay tuned for the next episode I'm your host PJ and you're listening to Entrebind.